Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. We could be, we might be, we are live, live. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this, our latest episode. Uh, I think it's fairly appropriately titled a UFC 259 hangover of sorts. Uh, For those of you who did not catch the insanity that was the pay-per-view last weekend uh fret not we will get into that in just a little bit here um but before we do jump into the recap and a breakdown for this weekend's upcoming card do want to take just a moment here and thank these fine gentlemen for coming along this shit show taking part in the shenanigans here um unfortunately we are not going to have the freshest guest a man could ask for again this week he is finishing up the move into his awesome new abode so congrats to him and hopefully we will have him back next week again for the breakdown fun but the interim new guy in his absence the purple strap holder vicariously as it were rj vapes how you doing brother what's going on man good to be here good to be here got a lot of shit to talk about especially fucking last weekend God, yeah, we, we will definitely get into that craziness in just a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, good to be here. Kick it over to the guy that's drinking a maple old-fashioned. I'm telling you, that's that's the uh, other one here, the across the octagon from myself more often than not, as it were. My Wednesday night homeboy, my combat shit-talking compatriot, the one and only Maple Old Fashioned Sippin' Golf Tea Vapes. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fan-fucking-tastic. I'm telling you, there's nothing better than having it come from your own tree. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't get better than that. Not a fucking bit. I absolutely agree. That's about as farm-to-table as you can fucking get right there. Oh, so glad to have both of you gentlemen on board here. Um... I don't know if it would necessarily be luckily or unluckily. We actually had almost no news this week. So we do have time to give a little bit of a breakdown of the much needed topic of last weekend's card. Um, First and foremost, if at some point during this show, it drops out, give us a second. We will be right back. I, it slipped my mind that today is March rain 10th. And we have thunderstorms in the forecast for the next 37 days straight. And it is currently raining sideways, Ollie Williams style right now. Uh, I'm watching shit literally blow down the street in front of my house on my security cameras. So if we drop out, we will be back one way or another. If I got to log in on my fucking phone, we'll keep this shit rolling. So uh, that being said, um, 
first thing I want to do is actually jump into the the couple little pieces of news here, because like I said, it's just a few things that they announced, and then we're going to jump into some 259 recap talk here. Um, the first kind of fairly major announcement that we got was actually just made this afternoon. Um, Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori has been moved up to April 10th to headline as the new second UFC card to be broadcast on ABC um, in moving it up and moving it to ABC. They actually moved the prelim start now to noon Eastern time. So that will be an early Saturday card. Uh, there may or may not be some live combat commentary going along. So uh, keep your schedule cleared and your eyes peeled if you folks fancy some of that nonsense. Uh, but either way, it's going to be a big card and moving it up to the afternoon so they can put it on primetime ABC. Uh, last time ABC card got fantastic numbers. So, you know, right in around spring break time, not a bad time to do it again. We'll see how this one fares. Uh, I don't know if this is quite going to be the same card as the first time they got on ABC, because that's going to be hard to fucking top. But uh, I think Till versus Vittori is going to be a pretty goddamn good fight. And they seem to have a pretty decent card on that date so far. And we'll see what else they bring over from the original booked card as well. It's going to be neat to see how that one shakes loose. Um, next one, we got a couple of announcements for fights upcoming and rescheduled as it were um announced tuesday may 1st they have re-rebooked marab dvadishili versus cody Stamen for the third time now uh, i'm definitely interested in this fight i don't know if i'm interested in it enough to have them book it a fourth time if something falls out here um i get rebooking something even rebooking it twice in today's day and age when shit's getting crazy and things are literally dropping out last minute three times i think is about the limit here we we learned from tony and khabib that when you get your hopes worked up that many times that it's just either never going to happen or it's never going to live up to what you built it up to in your head at that point anyway uh I, I hope this fight pops off but if it doesn't move the fuck on they didn't give edwards chamayev a fourth rebooking i don't think anybody else should either at this point i think if this plays out it'll be an interesting fight if not let's keep it fucking chucking boys um the other interesting fight that they announced june 5th uh they have not confirmed whether it is going to be the headline or the co-main event but it is one of the two as of right now uh, Walt Harris stepping back into the cage versus Marcin Tybura. I, I very much feel like this is a polite way of the UFC telling Walt to shit or get off the pot because Tabora has kind of been uh, the, the gatekeeper, really, for mediocrity in that division for a hot minute now. He hasn't done anything terribly impressive in a good while, but they haven't cut him, so they're using him to... to weed out the non-contenders as it were at this point and the fact that they're putting walt harris against him <sighs> i like walt but at this point he really does either have to get it refocused or just stick with charity work and and put the gloves down 
Yeah, and I get it. My heart goes out to the dude. He really does. Absolutely. He he really he needs to get a W. And I don't I think this is more than just a shit or get off the pot moment. This is a hey, we're feeding you somebody who we know you should beat. And True. if you don't, obviously your head's not in the game anymore. We're gonna let you go. Yeah, because he should absolutely on paper, based on past resume, he should walk through Marcin Tybora and make it look fucking effortless. But what I'm afraid of is I think what uh, TJ is afraid of as well is that we're going to see Walt Harris come out and just not be back to what he used to be. And he's going to let somebody like Tybora fuck him up. And it's going to be what they're looking for to catch him on the fucking axe next. And that sucks, especially after what he's been through. I really want to see that fucking dude do well. But at the same time, we very much understand that if his head's not in it, he has every fucking right to not have his head in it. But if that's the case, put the gloves down until you're back, dude, because taking the kind of punishment you're taking and could potentially take if this one goes sour, man, that adds up and it ain't good for anybody, anybody. But uh, speaking of shit or get off the pot, uh, the pot has officially been cleansed for uh, three fighters from the UFC as of this week. Uh, Jordan Espinoza was officially released from the UFC. Shauna Dobson was officially released from the UFC to the surprise of no one. And then the big announcement, they officially declined to renegotiate or re-opt contract for Megan Anderson following her loss to Amanda Nunes, which we'll talk about in just a little bit here. Uh, spoiler alert, Amanda Nunes retained her fucking belt to the surprise of absolutely no one who watched. Um, but this was the last fight on Megan Anderson's contract. And uh, much like they seem to have done with most people at the end of their contracts in the UFC lately, uh, they're just going to let you fight your last fight and then mosey on down the road if they don't think they can make any more money off of you. And much like Megan Anderson literally said in an interview uh, Monday, I believe, either Sunday night or Monday, uh, she has been told by several of the higher-ups in the UFC that they had planned to get rid of the women's featherweight division one way or another. Whether she won, they would retire the division with her as the champion after a potential rematch with Amanda, depending on Amanda, or if Amanda won, they were just going to close out the division altogether and have Amanda be the quote unquote final champion. Uh, and then they let Megan Anderson not re-upped on her contract. And as of right now, only have one fight at featherweight on the card all the way out to the end of June, which is Felicia Spencer, who just fought Amanda prior to Megan uh, fighting a brand new 145 pounder in Danielle Wolf. Uh, now, we have seen several times that that doesn't necessarily mean shit just because they're signing somebody. Uh, they're throwing her to the former title contender. So the lady that just fought for the belt is now literally fighting a brand new fighter to the organization. Shows how thin the division is. Megan Anderson lost a fight no one really thought she could win outside of her corner, honestly. And the UFC immediately just let her walk out the door. So that literally cuts the seven division featherweight ladies that down to six and then potentially back up to seven with Danielle Wolf if we make to that fight come June. But like there, there's nothing left 
uh, that division wasn't a division to begin with, and there's nothing left of what they started with even. Uh, it's time to just either sign a half dozen more ladies, like Ultimate Fighter style, do another ladies 145 Ultimate Fighter, or close the thing down and let's focus on 135. That division was made for one reason and one reason only, and that was for Cyborg. It had nothing to do with Nunes. Yep. That was made for Cyborg, so Cyborg could come in and be champ, and then we have another draw power. And then once they exhausted that draw power by saying, here, let's do a champ-champ fight between you and Nunes, they screwed themselves out of another division with a cash cow in it. Yep. But, you know, UFC likes to do UFC things. Namely, Dana White likes to do Dana White things because, you know. That's, I was going to say, it's kind of Dana, but, you know, tomato, potato. But. Uh, never mind, I'll get to that in a minute when we get to that <laughs> other stuff later because I've got a mouthful about that shit. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's that's literally all the news for, for this week. So um, I got that, one because oh. I do want to talk about it. Dan Hardy being let go from uh, from being an announcer in the UFC. I don't give a fuck what went on between him and his coworker. Fuck his coworker. He's a great announcer, a great fight breakdown guy. Not to mention he's willing to call a ref out when they're fucking wrong. Right. But the problem is he screamed at a referee on a pay-per-view card, which got him on probation. And then this incident that got him released from the UFC he, under his own admittance, screamed at a female co-worker in front of everyone for something that could have easily been addressed by saying something in private or even via email. So he admitted that he fucked up when he knew he was already on probation. I'm not saying what he did was right. I'm not saying the UFC overreacted. What I'm saying is Dan Hardy had fucked up and he knew that he fucked up when he yelled at Herb Dean. He could have done the same thing. He could have said something backstage, and he admitted that he fucked up there. So he knew that he was already on thin ice. Then he flipped out and he screamed at a female coworker in front of everyone over something that could have been addressed via email or text message. That's dick moves right there. I love Dan Hardy as a fucking commentator. I loved him even more as a fucking fighter. But if you're an asshole you're an asshole and if you're an asshole on probation told not to fuck up again and you fuck up again you signed your own walking papers i can't be fucking too mad about it you know they knew what they've been getting with him since the beginning oh yeah i'm not saying this is a surprise for nothing yeah yeah i agree so you know what and he's willing to yell at anybody male female doesn't fucking matter good on him i have no problem with that this in my opinion because this is this is purely my opinion, my opinion only. This is not affiliated with I'm No Joe or any other persons on this show. The entire population of the world has become a giant bunch of pussies. So, oh my God, I got yelled at in front of people. I'm so hurt. He should lose his job. Oh my God, he yelled at me for being a bad ref. I should be pissy. No, fuck you. Put on your big girl panties. Put on your big boy britches. Stop being a bunch of fucking pussies. Deal with it. Life sucks. It's rough. It is what it is. What are you going to do if somebody says that to you on the street? Not a goddamn thing, but because he was at work. Oh, my God. You know, if that happened every time I was in the fucking military, I would have had no NCOs left because I got yelled at a lot. Fuck off. 
take your goddamn pussiness and get the fuck out of my world. I agree. The only uh, counterpoint I could say to that is in both of these situations, in him yelling at Herb Dean, it wasn't Herb Dean that complained about him yelling. It was Dana White himself who said, that's over the line, one more fuck up and he's gone. And it wasn't the woman that Dan Hardy screamed at who complained to the UFC. It was Dana White who apparently saw a video of Dan Hardy screaming at that woman who yeah. said that's all he needed. So You know, there's a very common denominator here in this whole thing. And it's not Dan Hardy. It's fucking right. Dana White. You Dana right. White that's what I'm saying. wants to take offense to the things that he wants to take offense to. That's what I was just going to say. This is Dana's be. world. So, you know what? I say fuck him. I hope he gets picked up by a different promotion. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because he's a fucking asset. And fuck Dana White for being a scumbag again. I absolutely agree. I kind of hope to see him doing fucking Bellator or PFL commentary uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, but yeah, like I was saying, this this isn't necessarily anything too surprising because this is Dana's world and we just live in it. The worst part of him losing his job for me, though, that comeback fight that he had been hinting at a lot, definitely not happening in the UFC. Yeah, no, that, that idea, any any hope we had of seeing either him him in either one of those potential comeback fights that had everybody excited are pretty much out the window now. There's not really a whole lot of chance for either one of those happening anymore, unfortunately. That's the biggest bummer. Right? It's not that I, we lost a commentator because we've got plenty of commentators, but I liked him more as an analyst on his fight breakdowns because his fight breakdowns that he does, they're fucking fantastic. Well, He's, I mean, that that's actually one of the potential silver linings here is that because he's been doing his breakdowns since inside the octagon stopped being a thing he's been doing the breakdowns independently on his full reptile radio uh youtube channel so he can still continue to do full breakdowns like he has been for all the fights now instead of just for the ufc fights because he's essentially an independent contractor now and he can do whatever the fuck he wants on his own youtube channel he's not contracted to only talk about or not talk about any other organization anymore. I mean, he did just get that fancy new Telecaster and that big ass TV. It'd be a shame if it was all for naught. But you know, the second he puts up one thing UFC related, Dana White's gonna hit the fuck out of his. Chain. Oh yeah, no, he's he's got to be super fucking careful about it. He can't give Dana any ammunition to fucking throw a copyright strike at him. But if he does it smartly. He can still keep doing everything that he's doing as long as he's very careful about what he puts on that Telecaster behind him. Yeah. Which I honestly, I hope he does. I hope he keeps doing it just to give Dana that nice shiny, hey, you're number one and I'm going to do this regardless because everyone will keep tuning in to full reptile radio breakdowns instead of watching whatever they replace inside the octagon with on their broadcast now. Fucking screw What a terrible thing for Dana to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially in a time when they're cutting so many other recognizable names in favor of all this new talent they're trying to flood in. You need to keep some staples and someone who you don't have to worry about paying to fight. I mean, the greatest part of it for me, that's like the pot calling the kettle black and Dana firing him. Dana does that shit all the time. He cusses out fucking reporters. He oh yeah, calls people stupid to their face, dude. The guy oh. famous for saying a woman will never fight in my octagon. 
now running four fucking female divisions talking about potentially adding an atom weight division while he can't manage the fucking featherweight. You know what I mean? Like this fucking guy is going to has the balls to chop Dan Hardy for yelling about women or yelling at a woman like or yelling at a referee. He's yelled at fucking refs too. Shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, the hypocrisy of Dana knows no bounds sometimes. No. Born retarded. Can't fix it. Smart businessman. Terrible fucking human being. I agree. I agree. But that will bring us into a uh, quick little rundown recap, if you will, of last weekend's UFC 259 card. This card was kind of surprising from top to bottom, honestly. Um, I'm not saying it was the greatest card in the world. What I'm saying is it was surprising from top to bottom. Um, very, very first fucking thing right out of the gate. Uh, Mario Batista came into that fight rocking himself an admirable mullet. I was legitimately caught off guard and almost afraid to root against him at that point. Um, the power of the mullet we have seen is strong and equitable. Um, but Trevin Jones would not be denied. Talk about beautiful fucking timing and a shame to be overlooked for a fucking bonus. Uh, Trevin Jones just put the shot on the fucking money and ended the goddamn show in less than a minute around two. That was fucking spectacular. Um, and as if you needed more, uh, coming into round two, surprise, surprise, a uh, contender series soup can in Alon Cruz that Dana and everyone had been hyping up so fucking vehemently uh, steps in against a Russian gentleman from Serbia or a Serbian gentleman rather from Alaska, sorry, uh, who has now made his way into the UFC in Euros Medic, who just absolutely beat the dog shit out of a lawn cruise to such an extent that Joe Rogan and DC were literally whimpering and whining to get Mark Smith to stop the fight on the broadcast on the commentary. It's almost comical if you listen back to it, because if you watch the fight to his credit, Alon Cruz kept rolling and kept trying to get himself in a defensive position, but Euros medic was on him like a pamper. He just was stuck to that ass and not going anywhere. And every time Alon turned pow with another fucking shot until finally Mark Smith stopped the goddamn fight. Um, but Euros medic is a gigantic dude for that fucking division. He's another one of those style bender ask really long and uses his reach kind of fighters. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here. Cause that fucking, that was a, a pretty impressive performance. If I do say so. Um, I, I wish I could be more excited about the ladies fight. Um, we knew we even kind of said it last week that uh, Sousa's coming in trying to catch a break and probably ain't going to fucking get one because Lemos is a badass and looking to tear her way into that division and make a name for herself. Uh, it took her just over three minutes to do <laughs> exactly that. Uh, three fights, three fucking finishes. Uh, props to Amanda Lemos. Um, and then we moved on to a, another what I'm going to say is absolute snub 
of a bonus here. Uh, this is absolutely, in my opinion, a $50,000 performance. Uh, Jake Matthews came in as the leaps and bounds favorite because he had been looking pretty goddamn good and had some good hype behind him. Sean Brady, meanwhile, one of the dark horses of the goddamn division, comes in completely overlooked by most people in general and just absolutely floors Jake fucking Matthews. It almost looked like he had just put pressure down to get it until you go back and watch as he steps over, he just chokes the living fucking daylights out of Matthews in such beautiful and smooth fashion. It's it's genuinely disappointing that he didn't get the nod for that, that he didn't get that 50K because Sean Brady surprised almost everyone in the world with that beautiful fucking step off. And even Dana White was talking about it in the post-fight press conference, just not because he was going to give him the goddamn bonus. But... Yeah. He ran all three rounds of that fight up until the submission. Yeah, like, he made Jake Matthews look like some fucking bum off the street. He really did. He made Matthews his bitch for two and a half fucking rounds, and then just choked him out on the third. Yeah, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, it was impressive, man. It really was. So, from there, we go on to the first of the CKB boys stepping in. Um, Carlos Yulberg supposed to be the the big boy from City Kickboxing coming in to try and you know make their entrance into the the heavier side of things before Izzy confirm moves up to uh, 205. And unfortunately for him, he ran into the wrong contender series soup can. Uh, Kennedy just basically toyed with Ulberg for the better part of the whole fight because, much like a, uh, a certain female previous champion who no longer fights anymore, uh, this gentleman had no head movement. Uh, he kept his face directly on the center line with the exception of one point in that fight. And the one point where he moved his head off the center line, he moved it left just long enough for Kennedy to throw this vicious fucking hook that as he moved back to the right, his face went directly into. He basically knocked himself the fuck out. Kennedy just put his hand out there to meet him with a good night kiss from it. Um, that, on the other hand, was decided by Dana a $50,000 performance. Uh, kind of salt on the wound of city kickboxing beautiful fucking shot i don't personally agree that it was a fifty thousand dollar punch it was nice don't get me wrong it was nice and if you go back and watch the replay it's one of those oh nice shots 50 grand though compared to the previous three finishes we saw right before this i don't i don't know i don't think so i don't agree with that part Um, but again, Dana's world, we just live in it. Um, but that brings us to the quote unquote premier early prelim fight. Uh, Tim Elliott versus Jordan Espinoza. Uh, I gotta say, I have not had the most faith in Tim Elliott lately. Um, he hasn't really given me a whole lot of reason to, 
and that's extra disheartening because he's been in Kansas City training with James Krause at Glory. And we've seen pretty much everybody that goes to Kansas City and trains with James Krause noticeably improves, uh, whether that's to the level that they're trying to get to or not individual basis but everyone we have seen go to kansas city to work with james Krause has improved uh tim elliott came out and just fucking worked like just fucking worked uh you could see him responding and answering to james Krause's calls for a good portion of the fight elliott managed to keep it right there against the cage or on the ground right in front of his corner so the call outs were literally real time as close as i am to my fucking camera away from your coach which is beyond ideal in that fucking situation um and in a unanimous decision tim elliott takes that W and then subsequently, like we mentioned earlier, Jordan Espinoza gets his walking papers off of that defeat. He gets beat on the early prelims as if that isn't, you know, bad enough. And then he gets cut from the UFC off of that loss. That's double shit lock. That's, that sucks. <laughs> uh, not that I ever wish anybody horrible, but uh, that that sucks even if you suck <laughs> that's, that's a bit much um wrapping over into regular prelims here the stops don't finish or stops don't stop finishes don't stop I, the ends ain't over yet <laughs> uh, we open the prelims with city kickboxing trying to get back into that w column uh, Kaya Kara France looking pretty goddamn good against Rogerio Bontarine. Um, there was a couple moments where it got scary. Uh, everybody got a little sloppy in this fight for a minute. Everybody had a minute of, oh shit, where are we going with this? Uh, but Kaya Kara France with the fucking patience and the timing, and he just baby elephanted Bontarine so hard that almost looked like they were going to let the fight keep going because by the time the ref got over there, he had tried to get back up. And Kai Carafran's doing his lap around the octagon and went, oh, do I need to get another one? To which the referee jumped in and went, no, 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 no. We're, we're, we're going to call this. <laughs> Don't hit him again. Uh, but God damn. Patience is absolutely a virtue. And sometimes when you have enough of it, you land a hell of a fucking shot. And Carafran's landed a hell of a fucking shot. Can we address the weird fucking stoppage in that fight? That was the strangest fucking weird stoppage. Because you know what? Um, when's the last time you've seen a ref stop a fight without going like this? Right. Okay. Can you guys Literally remember? waving it off. Yeah, no. Yeah. There was no wave off in that at all. No. He literally went like this and just pushed him to the side after he made the lap around of, oh, do you want me to hit him again? I don't think he actually stopped the fight until he came back around and dude was I, still laying there. And I, then he I went, agree. okay, maybe I should have stopped this. Yeah. So I really want to say there was a fuck up in the um, refereeing there. Yeah. Cause he theme, wasn't, theme he wasn't night. decisive enough to tell him, no, you keep going or. Right. Yeah. After he literally face planted the fucking guy, literally but, face planted the fucking He could have done one of two things. He could either said, keep going i didn't stop the fight 
or fucking waved off, but there was no wave off at all. He waited for him to literally run around the octagon, fucking hands up, eh, fucking yelling, screaming. Nope. Which, we'll wait till he comes around. To, oh, maybe I should hit him again. Wait, yeah, right. To, and to Karis France, to his credit, he face planted that motherfucker and stepped back, knowing that he just put that dude's fucking lights out. He could have jumped on him and gave him five, six more fucking power shots to wait for the ref to pull him off. But he didn't. He face planted the dude and he ran the fuck away to let them come in and fucking take care of him. And when he turned around and saw that the ref, for whatever fucking reason, hadn't stopped the fight, he immediately, like a fucking cartoon character, coiled that fucking fist up and came running over. He was going to fucking mollywop him again a couple times if the ref needed to see more. But he didn't. And that's when the ref jumped in. But props to Kaya Kara France for not being an asshole in that situation when we've seen others who would have. I give him credit to a point. However, the sportsmanship shown there is fantastic. However, his job as a fighter, you keep fighting until the ref pulls you off. You're not fucking Mark Hunt. You're a tiny little flyweight. Go over there and keep swinging. And it's not because I wanted to see Rogerio get any more damage done to him. Right. But that's the job of the referee to stop the fight, not you. That's why you had to come around coiled up again. Because the ref didn't stop the fight. But I do appreciate the sportsmanship there and knowing the kind of damage he could have done afterwards. I do appreciate that. But at the same time, I don't think he should have stopped for that reason. Because those flyweights, sometimes they do pop right back up after those. We've seen it before because they don't hit anyone. All right. That's somebody who's a fucking light heavyweight hit you versus a flyweight who are you going to get up from quicker i agree to a point like in a situation where you're talking about like benavidez getting popped in his mouth and sat right down on his ass and scooting back those we've seen guys come back from but when you get ronda rousey betch cohea face plant fucking baby elephant style right into the canvas I don't know many of those that have ever come back or even been allowed to continue once that limp face plant happens. Like, that's exactly what Amanda did to Cyborg. And when that bitch went face down, they couldn't jump in quick enough to stop that shit. I'm just saying, it's a fucking weird thing that he didn't just stop it on the spot. And if he doesn't stop it or wave it off, you keep going. And I like this. I like the personal restraint shown there. Right. At the same time, if I'm his coach... Yeah, you won. Guess what you're doing? You're running fucking laps till you can learn to finish. Right. Yeah, you're going to be doing a lot of jogging. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, because you know what? You did great. Well done, kid. No, you didn't finish because the ref didn't pull you off. Right. Although your restraint was fucking fantastic because you saved that guy a lot of fucking damage, and I appreciate that. But Absolutely. The ref put you in a bad position but you also put the ref in a bad position too, because the ref couldn't make that quick determination initially because he knows those flyweights. Sometimes even when that little type of forward fall happens on your face, sometimes they kind of pop up and at least turtle. Right. So it's, I, it's kind of a 50, 50 fuck up on both of their parts. Although I lean more on the ref for not being decisive enough because that's their fucking job. Absolutely. That's literally what you're paid for. So I, I, say I agree. That's that their fucking job of the fighter to keep fighting until the ref pulls you off. So it's it's a toss up. I it's a no win situation for either one of them, except for Kai Car France, because he got the W. Right. And looked great with the fucking restraint. 
Yeah. I agree. It was it was a weird situation for sure. Um, moving along from there though, uh, Askar Askarov proved what everyone already knew. Uh, Benavidez has no business in the top of that division. If they're willing to cut loose legends left and right and title contenders off of their title loss, how the fuck we still have Joseph Olivi in the UFC befuddles the shit out of my brain. I don't get it. Askar Askarov did not look nearly as good as we have seen him in the past and still outworked Benavidez like it was just a sparring session in front of some cameras with another corner there. Like this was not even a hard fight for Askarov by any stretch of the imagination. And he still works circles around Benavidez. It was fucking garbage. Uh, unanimous decision, Askarov. Benavidez has to be on that fucking chopping block soon or nothing is going to make sense anymore. It's just, it's getting bad at this point. How many times are we going to see Joe get the shit beat out of him over and over and over. He didn't deserve the title shots that he got. He doesn't deserve the up and coming contender fights that he's getting. It's it's time to have the talk with Joe B. Anyways, uh, moving along from there, uh, Kyler Phillips came in and just refused to quit. Uh, not necessarily, again, the greatest performance, most exciting, but the amount of stoppage he was able to put in front of Song Yadong was impressive. Song Yadong never really got momentum going, could never really build any head of steam. Anytime he tried to move, Kyler Phillips was there. Um, not the most impressive performance, but enough to get the unanimous W. So, you know, hey, there's that. Um which brings us to the prelim, our premier prelim fight, I say with air quotes, uh, Casey Kenny versus Dominic Cruz. This fight proved two things to me that we all kind of suspected. Um, one, Dominic Cruz is not bullshitting when he tells you ring rust isn't real. Ring rust is a thing that you let yourself get sucked into. This man has spent almost more time out of the octagon than he has in it in the last decade. And damn near every time he steps back in, he looks as good, if not better than he did when he fucking left. And every single time he has had to leave is because of a major injury or a series of major injuries and still comes back every fucking time, either exactly where he left or better than he was before he left. Dominic Cruz legitimately, in my opinion, is about to try and make another run for the fucking title. And at this point, it's really fucking hard to deny him. Granted, I'm not saying he gets a title shot off a Casey Kenny decision win. I'm saying this gives us the glimpse that the old Dom is still very much in there. And he is still absolutely capable of tearing through the quote unquote highly touted prospects that Dana White tries to throw at him. So if he keeps this up, it's going to be real hard to deny Dominic another shot at that fucking belt, which I think just keeps that top five. So fucking interesting for me. Um, but two, Casey Kenny does not deserve any of the fucking hype 
that Dana White and all of the UFC insiders keep trying to fucking push on him. He was mediocre at best when he first showed up. He's been mediocre at best since he's been here. And he's let his fucking mouth overrun anything that his talent would be able to compensate for at this point. Send that worthless motherfucker down the road if you're sending the likes to Espinosa and Megan fucking Anderson. How the fuck is Casey Kenny still on this UFC roster? Send that dumbass down the fucking street and let him play with the Bellator boys. Fuck that clown. Can we talk about one thing specifically in that fight? Absolutely. How the fuck was that a split decision? Dominic Cruz worked the piss out of him. The movement that he would had, dude, that was straight Dom Champ status movement. Had this footwork that, was fucking fantastic, dude. It, it His was, head it movement, was classic Dominic. It really, yeah, was. it was a thing of beauty to watch. It was. It was like going straight back to Strike Force, fucking when he was in his fucking early twenties, moving. You, it didn't look like he'd lost a step. It looked like he fucking gained hell. a step. And they somehow fucking called split decision. Oh, I didn't get a chance to look at the fucking scorecards from that fight, but I have a strong feeling Sal Diamato had something to do with that bullshit. I think that's a safe bet. Generally, when there's some stupid shit in Vegas going down on the cards. It's generally a safe bet. Sal Diamato's involved somehow. Look, that, in my opinion, that was 100% down the whole way. Not a split yeah. decision. No, that should have been fucking unanimous across the board. I mean, if anything, stop feeding these fucking newcomers to him. Let him go back and improve his fucking worth again because he's obviously there. You can see it. Only thing that makes this better was his post-fight fucking interview. That was one of the greatest post-fight interviews I've seen in a long time. Yes. And so restrained when you could tell he wanted to go the fuck off. You could see in his eyes he wanted to just get nasty and vile, but he kept it 100% professional. Very poignant, very controlled and reserved. Made oh, his yeah. point very eloquently, and I love that shit. Fuck Hans Smolenkamp. I want to see that fight get fucking made. Fuck yes, because that dude would get worked. Not to mention, that was one of the greatest things of seeing how restrained he could be because not only did he, was he just hyped up from beating fucking Casey's ass all over the fucking octagon for three rounds, but he was still smart enough, high on all that adrenaline, to know, I have a job to keep not only as a fighter, but as a commentator as well. So he kept it as restrained as possible. I think the greatest thing that came out of that post fight, Monsters actually fucking investigating that cocksucker. Yes, yes. They oh. announced the very next day. They announced on fucking Sunday that they were opening an official investigation into that motherfucker because they take the words of Dominic Cruz very seriously. They could see, how did they phrase it? They could see the oh i forget how they phrase it now they like basically they could see in his eyes in that speech that he was not fucking playing and they knew that they better step in and see what was going on so they opened yeah. a full investigation it was funny how uh, dana bit his own tongue in that situation real quick he won't bite his tongue in other situations that he should just shut the fuck up in mm -hmm. that one nope Monster, monster pays, pays these guys a lot of money it's a privilege to get money from monster these guys don't have to take that monster money yeah, 
because they can't take their own fucking goddamn can't sell their own fucking merchandise yeah yeah can't sell their own merchandise they can't sell common depot across their ass anymore of course it's a privilege no it's not a fucking privilege get fucked it's the only way they can fucking make any money these days because we know dana's not giving them what they're fucking worth god forbid yeah but no he looked fantastic and a great post-fight interview yeah, I was very, very pleased with that. Absolutely. So that will bring us around into our main card. Um, opening fight. I got to say. Um, as much as Tiago Santos used to be legitimately impressive to the point of almost being terrifying. I said it last week, man. Whatever that guy had that had him just rocking and rolling disappeared the second his knee went out in that John Jones fight. And for whatever reason, he can't get it back. He's now had multiple fights back and just can't get back into that fucking groove that he was in. And that is a particularly terrible situation to find yourself in when across the octagon from you is a legitimate, very dangerous and hungry up and comer in an Alexander Rakich. Um, this was another one of those fights that it wasn't incredibly impressive. It wasn't incredibly exciting. It wasn't the, the big highlight real, ooh, ah, you know, throwing popcorn across the fucking room kind of fight, but it did show us a lot about both of these gentlemen. It showed us that Rakich can keep his pace no matter where this fight goes or how the fight goes, through three at least. And Tiago's power is about the only thing he has left. The style, the skill, the movement that he had, the fluidity that his fight game was prior to that John Jones match. It's gone. It's just fucking gone and it's not like he hasn't had time and opportunity to get it back it just isn't coming back it seems and at this point i don't know how many more of these w's they're going to let him take before they give him walking papers because that division is getting fairly cleaned rinsed and repeated pretty heavy right now so i don't know man uh rakich basically controlled that whole fucking fight to be honest, I think that that loss, I know they had him ranked number two, but that should have been dropped. After this loss, they should drop him down to number 10. I will yeah. say with complete honesty and the way he looked, number 10. Don't get me wrong. He was still throwing. He, he was still giving her, but he's not the same fighter he was. And until we see some other sort of aha moment, I think he's going to end up as a gatekeeper or getting walk on papers. They're not no. going to give him walking papers right this moment. No, because they're gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna see a nobody next. He's gonna see somebody coming off the contender series next. I bet. Rakich was ranked number four, I think. So it wasn't a huge loss. Like he wasn't fighting a number right. ten or twelve guy and losing. Right. Yeah. He was still fighting somebody in the top five. But I, to be honest, I don't think that should keep him in the top five. I think it should have dropped him down a little farther than he did. But you know. It is what it is. I mean, the guy, he's just not there yet. And I, to be honest, I think he's still having issues with the knee. They're just not saying anything because he got written off by a doctor and the doctor said, yeah, you're good. But right. mentally, 
he doesn't trust it. And every fighter that's coming out, they're going straight at his knee. Every one of them has too, yeah. Yep, uh, right from the get-go, because I think the first strike that Ray kicks through was a fucking leg kick. If it was I a low kick, that. yeah. It was a fucking kick, yeah, absolutely was. And can I blame them? No, if you no. know where there's a weak point and you don't attack it, you're a fucking retard. Yep. So, hats off to him, but Rakich didn't look that fucking great, to be quite honest. No, he looked so mediocre so, at best. It, it and just worst, me really... Oh, go ahead. The worst part of that is because he gets this win over Tiago Santos, that puts him in the title shot con- in the title shot fucking goddamn picture. That's is- literally what I was just going to say, is that the biggest problem for me is that, yes, we saw Rakic can go three hard rounds if he needs to, but the bad part about that is they're going to use that to say that he went three hard rounds with a former title challenger. Now he deserves his title shot. That was not a title performance. That was not a title yeah. shot performance by any stretch of the imagination. Not, um, but he's... That's going to set him up to argue against Glover now, and that's what that's what bothers me the most about it. I don't think, by any stretch of the imagination, that Rakich should be completely out of the conversation for the title shot. Give me a good fucking win, and and I'll put you right in that fucking conversation. But are you over Glover right now? Fuck you. Get your ass back and let that old man get his fucking crack at that belt. Not to mention, if they let fucking him fight Glover, that would piss me off even yeah, more. Yeah, I don't, I know, I don't want that either. I want Glover versus Jan for the fucking belt next. Or, yeah. yeah, Glover, Glover and his fucking okay. shot. Yeah. Well, that and after the fight, Jan leaned over the cage because Glover was cage side. He leaned over to the cage and called Glover up and said, you're next, pal. I'm watching and gave him a knuckle bump. There's a fucking video of it. Even Jan knows that's the next goddamn fight. I don't want to see fucking Rakich jump that line or even get put against Glover. Get him somebody that's lined up next so he can prove himself and then be the next one to get it. But let that fucking old man get his goddamn shot. He earned that motherfucker. Don't you take that from him, kid. I'll fucking hate you forever. I swear to God. I'll fight a fucking voodoo priestess, dude. He'll be fucking sticks all over your goddamn legs. Anyway, uh, moving on to the next match here. Um, This match almost had me angry the way that it played out. Um, we had a suspicion. We, we knew there you had to be fucking Ray Charles to not see that there was a real good chance that Khabib Jr. was going to come out and try and Khabib this fucking fight. He was in his goddamn corner. You knew that he was going to try and come out and Khabib this fucking fight. Drew Dober gave it a hell of a fucking college try to fight that fucking Khabibing off. And he landed some great shots. He put some great fucking defense up. But in the middle of the third round, Islam got a real fucking good position and managed to slide a very, very admirable fucking submission in. And even Dober gave him credit. That was fucking smooth and it was effective and there wasn't shit that he could do about it in the moment. Even he took his hat off to him. You can't be mad about the fucking submission, but I can't absolutely be pissed off if we see a fucking rerun of Khabib trying to wet blanket his way through this fucking division again. You can already tell the way that Dana was talking about it. He wants to try and make Islam the next Khabib. He wants to try and jump the shark and just shove him as quickly up that fucking ladder as he can. And I don't want to fucking see it. I like Drew Dober, but I don't think that fucking win was enough to skyrocket Makachev up the fucking ladder. And I'm afraid that's what they're going to fucking do with it. Let him skyrocket him for this reason. Makachev is not as good as Khabib is. No. 
as much as it hurts me to say something really good about Khabib, Khabib is tenfold better than Makachev is. Especially in the wrestling category, which is what Makachev wants to do. There's plenty of guys that are ranked above him right now that will whip his fucking ass. Yes, yes, there are. Like I said last week, the only chance Drew Dober had in that fight was to knock him out. I'm not a fan of Drew Dober myself personally, but I know he's got the knockout power in the lightweight division. He just couldn't land because he was getting wrestled. Yep. And that's all there was to it. And that's going to continue to happen, especially when you've got a guy like Dober, who's not a fucking grappler. He's a striker. So I guess when they stylistically, this was a perfect matchup for Makja. Yeah. Because he didn't have to worry about any takedowns. He didn't have to worry about jujitsu. Only thing he had to do was worry about getting his own takedown. To be honest, I hope they give him a bigger name so that way somebody can sit his ass clean the fuck down and go, you don't belong here. Right. Show him where he actually fucking stands. Yeah. Um, as long as they don't give him somebody too high ranked, I'd be okay with that. But in the event of another fucking fluke to happen, I don't want him to get the chance to pull a fluke off against somebody who will legitimately put him in a conversation. Yeah, I, and I get that because, I mean, you, you got to look. You got to look at that. Let's say... Let's go no more than like uh, put him against Dan Hooker or Paul Felder even. Paul that's, Felder. That's exactly it. what I was thinking. Let him and Felder fucking work uh, out. He wants to show that he's elite. Let him take the Irish dragon to fucking town. And let's and see how that fucking plays I out. I did see something playing out over, I think it was, was it over Twitter between him and RDA? Yes. Let RDA get a hold of him. RDA will fuck him up because RDA's I, got a good ground game. Yeah, I'm okay with that one as well. I saw that earlier, and I was like, oh, I'm not mad at that one. It's not necessarily the fight I would have predicted it to be, but uh, I think RDA has a good enough ground game. He could definitely make this fucking work you know for what? his supper. I, I, I will even one-up that. Let him fight Michael Chandler. I would be okay with that as well. That's the fight that he said he wanted. I would be okay with Michael Chandler because, look, Michael Chandler, you got a lucky knockout. And he is and, a wrestler, literally. That's Chandler's so, whole background. So, and he definitely strikes harder than fucking Makachev does. So, yep. I'm just saying that would prove two, one or one thing, one way or another. A right. that Michael Chandler is a that good of a fucking wrestler, or B he's really not, and Makachev will make <laughs> him look fucking stupid. And either right. way, that's a win. Yeah, win book. either way, exactly. We don't know how good of a wrestler Chandler really is. I mean, don't get me wrong. We know his credentials, but right. I, I hate to say this because this is throwing shade at Bellator, but coming from Bellator, their lightweight pool is not the same depth as what it is here in the U.S. The challenge he had in Bellator isn't equal to the challenge he's got in the UFC. Yeah, there you go. To be honest, I think that would just make for a really good fucking match to prove is he good enough to hang here or is he just fighting people that he's getting lucky knockouts on here already yeah only time will tell is see what they do with Marvacha right my only problem with this shit is I'm getting tired of seeing fucking one trick ponies man people that just want to fucking stand up and bang fucking go to goddamn boxing 
because you don't have a fucking takedown defense and you can't fucking play on the ground. Motherfuckers who want to play on the ground, go to collegiate fucking wrestling because you don't have a fucking stand-up game. Getting tired of this bullshit all the time of fucking your Dagestani wrestle fuckers and your guys from the South and from the Bronx that just want to fucking stand up and box because they have no ground game and don't give a fuck to try and learn and better themselves and better their career. Getting tired of it. The thing with one trick ponies is eventually they get shown up because of being a one trick pony. I mean, look at, don't get me wrong, a lot of them will have a good run, a la Damian Maya. One trick pony had a great fucking run, a la Ben Askren had a great run. Even coming in the UFC, won a fight he should not have. Right. But those one trick ponies eventually all get shown up. The only one that that hasn't happened to is Khabib. Then again, that dude's wrestling is out of this world. God level compared to everyone else in the fucking UFC period. That's in, I'll say MMA period. I mean, but the the thing that's... He'll get caught. The thing that... That's if he fights again, but he says he's not going to. So I'm just saying (laughs) Right. always get shown up. That's just how it works. And yes, it sucks to watch them wrestle, fuck their way to the top or knock their way out to the top. Sometimes, however, I like that more in the heavyweight than I do in the lightweight division because, you know, heavyweights are fun to watch people put into orbit. I'm just saying. Right. But, you know, my only like my only problem with it is this is MMA. Wrestling is an MMA. Wrestling is wrestling. If you just go in and just hunt for takedowns, or hunt for fucking knockouts. That's not MMA. That's boxing and fucking wrestling. Right. If you're not using the skills you're of putting MMA, all together. yeah. If you're not putting it together, if you're trying to do one or the other instead of all of them. Well, you I know, agree. if you hunt for only takedowns, eventually you get flying knee. Yeah. Or uppercutted. Or uppercutted. Yeah. If you only <laughs> box, eventually you get hit. Yeah. But that's my that's my only that's not, that's. Like we're starting to get it because they just released a bunch of a, a, a bunch of new people into the Ohio circuit for MMA, and they're all one-trick ponies. They're all wrestlers. They're all Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners with no stand-up game. They're all kickboxers. That's all they do. That's all they know how to do. I just I don't understand why are you just putting one-trick ponies in when this is mixed martial arts. There's more than just a stand-up game and more than just a ground game. I don't understand the, 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 the concept of, yes, let's get this guy. He only knows wrestling. Have you ever if, heard the term regression? Yeah. This is the UFC regressing back to UFC 1. The early days. Where you only knew one thing, and it was yeah. whose martial art is best. Yep. That's that's what happens in a lot of those situations. It's, it's very much full circle over. Yeah, it's yeah. very much full circle. We've gone from guys where you started out with one trick ponies to it got to the point where it was literally such a diverse mixed martial art. You had to know everything. And now it's coming back around to where the guys who know everything but specialize in one thing are starting to become dominant again. I think it's just going to keep going. I think we're going to get back to a point here pretty quick where the one trick ponies are going to start getting really heavily exposed and you're going to have to be a mixed martial artist again. And, and they have been. I mean, look at Chase Super. Got exposed by Bruce Leroy. Fucking 
you had Ben Ashton gets fucking baptized. I mean, the list goes on with these guys. Look at Connor. Connor was lit. He said himself he was focusing on trying to win that Dustin Poirier fight with boxing so that he could set up a fight with Manny Pacquiao afterwards, steered away from his MMA roots and got his ass kicked, got his very first fucking knockout in his entire fucking career from trying to be a boxer against a guy who could box pretty goddamn good on his own. And yeah. didn't know how to check a fucking leg kick. Right? Not fucking one. Yeah, no. And when you focus too much on one fucking one trick pony shit, you get exposed for it. Even a guy who fucking knows better. Yeah. Focused on that one trick pony shit. And Poirier was like, that's cute. Watch this leg kick. Hiya! Fucked his whole day up. Yeah. One trick ponies eventually always get exposed. It's just a matter of not if, but when. Yep. Just sucks in the meanwhile. I agree. Yeah. But that will bring us into our first of three title challenges of the evening. And probably the biggest point of contention for the entire goddamn pay-per-view. And of course, it was the first of the three fucking bouts. Um, so I will say this. For four rounds, well, for three rounds and then four and a half minutes of the fourth round, uh, Peter Yan was beating the dog shit out of Aljamain Sterling. He was stuffing takedowns. He was taking him down on his own. He was just beating the shit out of him, having his fucking way, looking like an absolute fucking stud, showing what we have all said in that Aljamain Sterling did not belong in that fucking octagon with Peter Yan in any fucking universe. And then comes a point in the fourth round when Aljamain Sterling is butt scooting across the canvas on one knee stalling to try and get an opportunity on Jan and Jan's cornerman yells to throw the kick in Russian which we later had translated by Khabib was how they caught that um, in Russian Jan's cornerman yells throw the kick and Peter Jan without missing a beat followed the fucking instructions of his coach and launched a fucking Sagat level tiger knee and just fucking snapped Sterling's fucking face across his head. Immediately, immediately the fight gets fucking stopped. Uh, paused, I should say. The fight gets paused by the referee who brings in the doctor to look at Sterling right away. They go over to talk to peter yan the referee does with the translator and the translator uh, the referee says to the translator to tell peter if he can't continue this would be a dq and you would lose your belt to which you immediately see aljermaine sterling go from looking like he's okay telling the doctor he'll be okay to falling backwards and soccer level oh i'm out of it i can't get my balance i'm rolling on the floor i can't the world is upside down black is white night is day what is happening i can't get my bearings and the fight is called the disqualification and then what oh no a disqualification but i could have continued oh no i can't i'm so concussed but this isn't how i want the belt says the man who immediately walks directly over, puts on a headset and talks to Joe Rogan for almost 10 minutes without a single sign of being concussed. 
then goes to the hospital and is immediately cleared, ruled no concussion. The first time in UFC history, a title has changed hands on a disqualification. Aljamain Sterling is now the bantamweight champion, as fucked up as that is to have to say. The only... even moderately comforting thing to come out of this fucked up situation is that Dana said that they're immediately going to run this back as soon as Sterling is cleared to get back into the ring. They're not going to waste any time. As soon as Sterling is cleared again medically, they're making the rematch immediately. That's getting run back. And I am 99.9% of the rest of the world have zero doubt that Jan is going to beat the shit out of Sterling twice as bad as he did this time. Take that fucking belt back and kick this idiot back to the bottom of the fucking line where he belongs. Yes. I really hate that it took such a fucked up situation like this to bring as much attention to this as it has on the same token though. I'm almost relieved that everyone can now see what a fucking fraud Aljamain Sterling is and how he really had no fucking business in there and has since then tried to come out and defend his accepting of the title and placate all this shit down and blame the referee for the stoppage and blame Jan for the knee and not take any responsibility. Tried to say that he was statistically winning the fight. Fuck off. I fucking hate this so much that this fucking played out like this. And if this does not get resolved, I will lose my shit. But I have a feeling that this is one of those situations that Dana cannot sweep under the rug, no matter how much he would fucking like to, because there will not be a single press conference come and go without someone asking him, what the date they're looking at for Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan too is going to be until he announces the day that that fucking fight will be made. The one thing I I really fucking wonder about in all of this, all of it, other than the fact of, you know, Aljamain is fucking garbage. He's been shown to be garbage. Um, there's an old, older movie. It says, "You've been measured, you've been weighed, and you've been found lacking." That was the immediate thought that came to my mind. I see him rolling around, bullshitting his ass off. Look, I don't care how many times Aljamain talks to the media and says, "Well, how about you take me from me and see if you get concussed." No, motherfucker. That's not how this game works. We saw you clear as day talking to the fucking goddamn doctor. Clear-headed. And then when you heard what the ref said to Petrion's partner to have translated, 
oh my God happens, I'm all of a sudden I'm disorientated. I can't tell up from down. Um, my dad beat me in the middle of the night, whatever the fuck else you had going on in your head at that point. Tells me you were the biggest pile of fucking garbage out there. Now, was it an illegal knee? Fuck yes, it was. Was Jan wrong? Yes, it was. His He should have immediately known not to throw the knee. He's a fucking professional fighter. You don't get to become the champ without knowing what a downed opponent is. You shouldn't have to hear it from your fucking corner to tell you to knee him when he's down or throw the kick while he's right. down. Right after the referee have, literally said twice, he's down, he's down. They come, look, to his credit, his English, fucking horrible. Right. So he's down, he's down may not mean dick to him. No, I'm saying to his corner it should have. Still, either way, to him, he's talking directly to the fighter at that point. He's not talking to their corner. If the corner heard it, good. If not, whatever. But still, they do a pre-fight. All referees go in and tell them, this is what a downed opponent is. This is what you're not allowed to do in those situations. There's a reason why you see them when they have these title fights. They both come to the center. We've gone over the instructions in the dressing room. Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions? All right. Touch gloves. All right. That's what that is about. They go to each dressing room, talk to each fighter and team individually to tell them what is expected, what the rules are. <coughs> so that way they understand and don't fuck up. Petrion's been doing this long enough. He should be known not to throw the fucking knee. Do I feel bad that he lost his title because he fucked up? No. Why? Because those are the fucking rules. You know the rules. You played with fire. You got burned. However, the caveat to that is Aljamain Sterling is an absolute fucking shitbag. He's the definition of a soup sandwich. It's a literal piece of fucking garbage. To not only go from fine to, oh, I'm fucked up to, oh, I'm fine. Let me do this post-fight interview. And not stutter a bit, not stumble, not have to think about what he's saying. You're not concussed when you do that. I've had concussions. I know you're not with it. They're going to ask you what color the sky is, and you're going to say cat. Yep. Your brain might be thinking blue, but you're going to say cat because that's how concussions work. That's why they ask, when you get concussed, what's your name? Do you know where you are? Do you know what year it is? Do you know who the president is? Simple questions that people should be able to just rattle off. Right off. Yep. The questions and conversations he had with Joe Rogan those are not simple questions. Those are things where if you're fucked up, no answer you give is going to make sense. Every answer he gave made complete and perfect sense to the point of saying, I am a shitbag. I am a shitbag. I am a shitbag. It's similar to I am Groot. We don't actually know what he was saying, except for it all translates to I am a shitbag. That's all I'm saying. Because it, it was fucking ugly. Look. He knew he was getting his ass whipped. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Clear as day. There was no chance in hell that he was winning that fight. Patreon was just beating the brakes off of him. He was beating him like he fucking owed him money. So did he take the easy way out? Yeah. Piece of trash. Bitch made move. Whatever you want to call it. He could have went on fighting. They could have immediately took a point from Jan. And I would have been all right with that. Or labeled it as a no contest. But because he stated he's on the ground, he's on the ground, that makes it intentional. So therefore, it has to be a disqualification. Am I mad at the referee? Fuck no. That dude did his job brilliantly. Called in the ref. However, if I was him, I would have stopped the fight immediately. I wouldn't have even brought in the ref and dis- disqualified him right on the spot. But they try to, in these title fights, give people the benefit of the doubt. Just take the point. That didn't happen in this case. So we get um, what I will call um, Aljamain Sands title Sterling. You might have the, th- the title, but you don't really have the title. You didn't fucking earn it. You took the easy way out to get there. Just be prepared to have a real knee come next time while you're not grounded or stalling the fight because he was obviously fucking stalling. Yeah. And Patreon's going to be pissed. Granted, he only has one person to be pissed off right now, at, and that's himself. But he's going to come back pissed and he's going to beat the ever-living shit out of you. You're going to wish you had a, to have taken the easy way out the first time. So this way you didn't have to go through it a second. You know, we'll see here. I'm going to guess International Fight Week. I have a feeling they're going to push for that because that makes sense here. Yeah, Give them three months and run it back again, or four months because that's in July. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that's right about the right time too. I will say the probably the most surprising outcome I saw from this situation was a tweet that came immediately after the fight was ruled the DQ and the, the title changed hands from Demetrius Johnson. Uh, not what I expected to see, but immediately from him, he tweeted that this was a perfect example of why you should be allowed to knee a down fighter because he was clearly stalling and looking for a way out of that fight when he had no other way out. I agree a hundred percent. If I, and I mean, to be fair, DC said it during the broadcast, you can't stall the fight by staying on one knee and expect nothing to happen. Granted the something that should have happened should have been a punch to his goddamn face instead of a knee, but something's going to happen when you stall the fight on the knee like that. So we're unfortunately stuck with this fucking paper champion douchebag for the time being. The good news is there's virtually no fucking chance whatsoever. He sees anyone, but Peter Yan immediately and loses that fucking belt back. What do you think, RJ? I think Aljo's a sorry piece of shit. Um, I also think that they, that like, you know, UFC should implement something of, if a person's got need, a vicious knee 
you don't do a fucking pre uh, a, a, a post fight interview in ring or go sit down. Um, I you know from my personal experience, if you get hit that viciously, you don't talk to reporters. You don't do any anything like that you go straight to a fucking doctor. You go straight to the goddamn hospital because those those countless seconds in this case 10 minutes could lead to a bleed in your brain which fucking kills you i have a massive problem with that uh two uh they should also i'm kind of with demetrius johnson in the sense of if you're still in the fight kicks of a to down opponent like upper body kicks those are kind of iffy in the unified rules but not headshots not not Fucking knees of the head. I'm not okay with that because you can really fuck somebody up even still. Body like body kick shit like that. I think that should be allowed. Unified rules are iffy on body on like upper body kicks to down opponents. Um I think it's I think it's I think it's bullshit. I think that he should have had his title instantly take that that his title instantly taken from him the second that he was sitting down with Joe Rogan and having clear coherent conversations about shit that you that you're not going to be able to fucking comprehend when right. you have an actual concussion i think that's bullshit but peter yan will will absolutely ragdoll the fuck out of him and get maybe even 10 or 11 takedowns instead of seven this time seven of seven for the record against yeah. the guy who said to peter yan once i get you against that cage i'm gonna drown you because you can't wrestle Aljamain Sterling got one of nine takedowns, and that one was barely a fucking takedown. Meanwhile, Peter Yan landed seven for seven takedowns on Aljamain Sterling in those four rounds that we saw. So I, I agree. I have very little doubt that when they run this back, Sterling is going to get fucking ragdolled, and no one's going to feel bad for him. But... <clears throat> That will bring us into the co-main event of the evening, the Women's Featherweight Championship. Again, to the surprise of virtually no one, uh, we said from the get-go that as much as Megan Anderson uh, has noticeably improved since she has packed everything she owned, took her last $1,000 and moved to Kansas City to train with James Krause, uh, she has noticeably gotten better. The bad part about that is that noticeably getting better is not good enough when the better you have to reach is the Amanda Nunez level. Uh, there just isn't enough time or enough competition in the UFC women's featherweight division to get you to a point where you can stop Amanda fucking Nunez. It's just all there is to it. It literally took two minutes for Amanda to ruin Megan's entire fucking evening. I don't believe Megan Anderson landed one clean punch in that two minutes. I know she threw one, but I don't think she actually landed the one that she threw. Me Megan just got fucking worked right out of the gate. It was very evident that Amanda was going to do whatever the fuck she wanted wherever the fuck she wanted, whenever the fuck she wanted. And this fight was hers to complete how she pleased. And she decided that she was going to do it via submission 
very goddamn quickly. And it resulted, like we said earlier, in the immediate release of Megan Anderson from the UFC. They decided that a two-minute loss to Amanda Nunes was not a good enough reason to keep her on contract. So they were not going to offer her a new fight deal and let her go into her free-range free agency. Both Dana and Amanda have said that they are going to keep the featherweight division around as long as Amanda is willing to keep defending the belt. Amanda said she is willing to keep defending the belt as long as they are willing to keep giving her women to fight at 145 pounds. And Megan Anderson said that they have now told her multiple times for multiple different people in the upper echelon of the organization that regardless of how this fight played out, this was the last featherweight title fight in the women's UFC division that after the Daniel Wolf versus uh, Felicia Spencer fight this summer, they are literally going to close the division. And honestly, that makes the most sense at this point. Let Amanda Nunez be retired into the Hall of Fame in 145 as the final champion, focus on 135, and then open that fucking Adam weight 105 and watch all the fucking talent flood in to the UFC. But I, for one, have no fucking urge whatsoever to see another UFC ladies 145-pound fight after Felicia Spencer and Danielle Wolf. There's not a watching the same four matchups recycled over and over in different fucking configurations close it out call it a day yeah that was just um exactly what we thought was going to happen not surprised at all um the only thing that was surprising was the way the finish occurred i thought it was going to come via strikes but that was right one slick reversed a fucking triangle that ended up in a fucking Americana for a finish. As it, to everybody else, it looked like just a regular old arm bar that she pulled. No, because Megan was smart enough to twist her arm, it ended up in an Americana. You don't see an Americana finish too often in the UFC, so that was really cool to fucking see from the triangle. Least of all on the ladies' side of the house. Yeah. The other thing I'd say about this, I don't give a shit about the wolf fight. Scrap the fucking division. Make that make that fight a one forty five catch weight, and tell the your 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 six can your your six contenders fighting at one forty five to go up or go down. Pick or choose. Pick your poison. That's it. There's you have you have you have six people and 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 a division. That's not enough to call it a division. You're not doing fucking rankings. It that's that's pointless. Cut the division. Let it not be a thing. Don't don't push don't push. Oh, we're just gonna have one fight and then we're gonna scrap the division. Just fucking scrap it. Still run the fight. Run it as a one forty five catchweight. Point blank period. There you go. There's your fucking solution. I agree. I agree. It's it's fucking dumb. When you've got six ladies in a division and three of them are 135-pound ladies who just don't cut the extra weight to fight it at featherweight, it's it's done. Fuck it. Be, be done with it. Um, but that will move us on to the main event from last Saturday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jan Blahovich versus Israel Adesanya. 
Um, I will say uh, I thought there would be a little more action than there was, but I also thought that Adesanya was going to be a lot more apt to take risks in this fight than he was in his last two fights. Um, I understand why he didn't take a lot of risks in the Yoel Romero fight. That would have been dumb to walk yourself into one of his power bombs when he was sitting coiled like a fucking snake. Uh, same thing with Costa when he tried to be fucking stupid. He would have tried that same bullshit landing a power bomb. But this is the point where you're trying to take over another division. You're trying to become a champ champ. You're trying to set yourself up to have a legitimate legacy for greatness. Take some fucking risks. And he just didn't. And the few risks that he did take, Jan Blahovich was fucking prepared for. Jan looked pretty goddamn good. Like I said, it wasn't anything terribly exciting, but Jan didn't have to be exciting. Yes, he was coming after his belt. All he had to do was stand back and be the Polish fucking hammer that he is. And that's exactly what he did. He took the best at everything that Adesanya threw at him. And he walked right the fuck through it. And he hammered Izzy back every time he left himself open for it. Um, I, I will say, regardless of how it could have played out, this is the best case scenario for everyone involved. This cements Jan Blahovich as the legitimate champion of 205 because a lot of people were still overlooking him. This confirms that Israel Adesanya can fight at 205 eventually he's going to have to bulk up beyond where he is now but he can fight at 205 but in the meanwhile he has to focus on 185 because that's where he's going to be the man right now if he wants to go to 205 he's going to have to make a john jones-esque move and legitimately bulk up his fucking body and kiss 185 goodbye that's the only way he's going to be able to be competitive up there against guys like dominic reyes yuri prochaska and jan blahovich that's the only fucking way he's going to be able to do it do i think he can yes eventually right now Take your ass back to middleweight and run that fucking division. Clean the fucking clowns out at the top of it. Then we can talk about moving up again. In the meanwhile, the Polish hammer is going to give the old man the fucking title shot that he fucking deserves. Glover has earned his fucking right to give this a shot. He's not going to be around much longer and everyone fucking knows it, but he has also earned his place at the top. Let that old man get his fucking title shot. Let Adesanya go back down and take over whoever fucking wins out of a Tory until and everyone can move along and be fucking happy in two divisions for a fucking change. First things first, I'm just going to say I told you so to everybody who fucking doubted um, Jan Blachowicz because I said it from the get-go. I, I really respect Israel but he's not a 205 fighter. There was no way he was coming into Jan's house and breaking the door down. He did not. I think, and this is a thing because I don't fucking know, but I have this strange feeling. As many of the memes as we saw um, from Israel going, mm, Polish power tastes good. He didn't like that shit during the fight, which is why he didn't take as many chances. But did you see the way that fist hit that face? Uh, Israel looked like he was going through a fucking wormhole, going to join Rick and Morty on a fucking adventure. 
I'm saying Polish power is fucking real. That's what stopped that from being a more exciting fight than people would have thought it was. However, I will say between the two of them, that was a fantastically technical fight. And it was great to watch. Now, was it great for the weekend fight watcher? No. There wasn't the fireworks people thought you were going to see from a champ champ fight, which is perfectly all right. Because it had all the fireworks I was looking for. Both of them were technical and on point. Gone. Those takedowns, man. I did not see the takedowns coming. But when he landed that one in the fourth and realized Israel doesn't have a ground game. <laughs> dude, he blew up that entire middleweight division there. Because if anybody who was watching that at middleweight watched him try to get up from under Jan, he was trying to use brute strength. There was not one bit of him trying to use technique. any technique to get back up or to get him off of him or to reverse the position. We learned one thing about Israel Adesanya for sure. If you can get that motherfucker on the mat, you can keep him there. Yeah. The other thing it proved, Jan Blachowicz is a much more well-rounded fighter than everybody thought he was. And the lack of credit that they gave him, everybody, from the top of the UFC brass all the way down, he proved fucking wrong. And he had every right to walk up to fucking Dana White after that fight. And uh, or and it wasn't even right after the fight. It was just as he put the belt on. He yeah. turned around. He said, and you keep doubting me or something to that effect. You don't believe in me. Yeah. And look... Dana with his bullshit that he pulls. I never told him I didn't believe in him. Bullshit. That's why you let Israel Adesanya come right up there. Right. Hoping that he was going to be a double champ because you knew he's already a superstar. And he could have ascended to the ranks of the fucking Conor McGregor-esque. But nope. Didn't work out that way because nobody put any respect on Jan's name. And I said it from the fucking get-go. When that fight was made months ago, Jan, Jan wins it. I said that months ago. I didn't change my stance on that. I'm telling you. You don't have respect on Jan's name now? There's something fucking wrong with you. I'm telling you. He is one of those weird fighters where he, he started out decent, hit a bad cold streak, lost four or five in the UFC. A hiccup, yeah. He had a hiccup for sure. Found his fucking stride. Once he found his stride, he's fucking unstoppable. I'm telling you, I like Glover Teixeira. I'm excited to watch that fight. I don't know if Glover's gonna be able to do it or not. However, Glover, I can't bet against that motherfucker either because that old bastard, his boxing just seems to get better and better. And we know Jan likes to strike. So I think that'll be a good strike fest between those two, but mm, just saying. Now, for me, did Israel lose anything out of this fight? No. He got his first loss on his record. But you can't be great without taking risks. You can't try to be the GOAT without taking a risk here or there. My hat's off to him. 
to be honest, his stock went up, in my opinion. Still an Adesanya fan. I always will Absolutely. be. And Absolutely. the dude's fucking fantastic. Nothing against him. I just knew at the time he doesn't have it in him to beat him. If he bulks up a little bit and makes a permanent switch to 205, yeah, then he could give him possibly a run for his money. But he also needs to obviously work on your ground game, dude. But, yeah. Well, it's a fantastic fight. It's beautiful to watch. And the sportsmanship that was displayed by both of them, both leading into and at the end of the fight, was fucking fantastic. That was amazing. Yeah. I was like, that's what I, you like to see in this sport. It was great. I agree. I agree. And like you said, the, the best part, at least for me, if there is a best part in seeing somebody lose, is watching Adesanya immediately go right out to the press conference sit down and own that fucking loss like a man Jan beat me ain't nothing I can say about it ain't no excuse I can make Jan beat me time to go back to the drawing board go back to 185 and refocus own a loss will get you more fucking stock in my opinion than bragging about a win the other one good thing that came out of this in my opinion the way the press does rankings for pound for pound, they apparently put some stock in Jan Blahovich like they should have a long fucking they time fucking ago. Better have man. He moved up in the top ten for pound for pound, and he deservedly deserves to be there. Like Fuck to be yeah, honest, man. right now I could see him top five right now, easy. Well, but that's just my own thought. Wherever the fuck Adesanya was, he should jump above that. And I know Adesanya was top ten. He did not, though. They jumped him to eight. Adesanya dropped to six from three. My favorite thing about this that, that entire fight was watching live Vegas odds of Jan Plahovich go through the fucking roof. <laughs> because they hit him as a massive underdog. Yeah. My favorite part was having the fight on one screen and the Vegas betting odds fucking on a on a page Sky minimized rocket. over here. And every round, it was going up 100, 150. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when it came down to it, I mean, both of them played smart. Both of them played to their, their, their strengths. Um, one a little bit better than the other. Is he really... Like he surprised me because he ate some shots. He did. He, really he ate did. some shots and he fucking he ate them, made a sour ass face, but he fucking ate them. That chin's there, needs to work on the ground game, clearly. That's 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 something else that that Jan pretty much told the rest of 185 is that motherfucker can 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 take a punch. Um I would not be mad seeing Izzy drop the 185 belt in the next year or two and make a permanent change to 205. I would not be mad at seeing that. I do do not, however, want to see him do that and instantly get uh, the next fight for the title like they're doing to John Jones. I don't want to see that. Start him off rank 15, rank 15 challenger, rank 10, something like that, work his way up. Totally okay with that. But Dana White, Nizzy, that John Jones scenario 
You want to go to 205 permanently? Okay, you got the next title shot. Here you go. Congratulations. I, I agree. That's frustrating as shit. Um, also, <clears throat> excuse me, point that I hadn't thought of until RJ just said something now. Um, we have seen what Jan's Polish power can fucking do to some of the greatest we have seen. We saw Izzy eat a couple of the fucking solidest pow shots Jan Blahovich had to offer and and like RJ said, made some fucking faces for sure, but kept at it. So that legitimately makes me think, how fucking hard does Kevin Gastelum hit when he lands square? Look what he did to Israel Adesanya's face in five rounds versus what Jan Blahovich did to him in five rounds. And we saw Jan land some big fucking shots on Israel's face. And Kelvin Gastelum had him blown up like the fucking scene from My Girl. Like, that shit was puffy, to say the least. Jan didn't have him like that, and Jan clipped him pretty goddamn good. So, one, Izzy has a fucking chin that has been tested and proven reliable. But two, how hard does Kelvin Gastelum hit when he legitimately fucking throws properly? We know he hasn't been doing a whole lot of that lately, but that's still in there somewhere. If nothing else, that actually gives me a little bit more hope that Kelvin Gaslam can get his head out of his ass and still make something of himself in that fucking division. We saw what he did to Adesanya, and we saw what Adesanya just came out of a five-rounder with Blahovich looking like. A little food for thought. Uh, but the 50G bonuses for last Saturday. Um, fight of the night, ironically enough, Kennedy versus Olberg. Performance of the night bonuses, Kayakara France, and Uros Medic. Prelim loves for all the monies. So, that brings us inevitably to the medical suspension list as we go through like we do on these weeks. Jan Blahovich suspended till April 6th. Didn't take a whole lot of damage. No big surprise. Uh, Izzy apparently hurt his ankle. Must be cleared by a doctor or he's out till September 3rd. If that's serious, okay. If not, come on, guys. Uh, Megan Anderson... Suspended until September 3rd or cleared by a doctor, even though it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference right now. Uh, Aljamain Sterling suspended till May 6th, as he fucking should have been. If you're going to play the concussion game, you get the concussion suspension. Sit the fuck down for a bit, son. Um, Rakich. September 3rd, unless cleared by a doctor, they're saying he hurt his ankle as well understandable santos out till march 28th didn't take a whole lot of damage so i get it uh cruz april 6th didn't take a whole lot of damage understandable casey kenny april 6th kyler phillip april 6th song yadong march 28th okay understandable benavidez april 21st he got rocked pretty fucking good that makes sense uh, Bonterio, April 21st, he got fucking put out. I think he should be a little bit longer, but I get it. 
Uh, Tim Elliott, April 6th. He didn't take hardly any damage in that fight, so I'm not sure if his is too long or the other guys are too short, but that seems a little weird. Uh, Espinoza, again, September 3rd, or cleared by doctor, but it doesn't matter because he got walking papers too. Uh, Kennedy suspended till April 6th. Olberg, who got fucking hammered April 21st. Souza, who got fucking hammered April 21st. Cruz, who got fucking hammered and put out April 21st. Batista, who got knocked the fuck out April 21st. So many of these people who got knocked the fuck out in the prelims are catching six-week suspensions. But the people who didn't take the most damage are catching suspensions until September, and Sterling's only out till May. He's only out two weeks longer than the people who are catching these light suspensions. Vegas is is really getting a little fucking crazy with some of this shit now. That being said, though, that'll bring us into our namesake for this particular episode, the UFC 259 hangover that we're still fucking groaning and dealing with uh, that has become UFC Fight Night Las Vegas 21 slash UFC Fight Night ESPN 19, I believe, slash UFC Fight Night Edwards versus Mohammed. This card, aside from being a fairly standard edition of filler after a pay-per-view show, uh, is just, you almost got to feel pity for this card. We said from the get-go that they had uber-stacked this card because almost everything was going to fall through. And sure the fuck enough, everything from the main event down has either fallen out completely or been rebuilt at least one time with the exception of, I think, three fights on the card. And one of those three uh, didn't get rebuilt. It got moved twice onto this card now. Um, starting out at the tip top, though, because there are some interesting matchups on the prelims. Um, there's a couple that I want to mention without giving full breakdowns here. Poor Nasrat Hawkprost. That dude stepped in on short notice and then now is getting another last-minute replacement to the dude that he stepped in last minute to fight. He can't catch a fucking break here. Credit where credit's due for staying on the fucking card and taking the fight to stay active. But, man, talk about not being able to get a fucking iota of training for the guy you're getting ready to get matched up with. Um I'm curious to see how that plays out. Hawk Frost has shown us that he's got some pretty good potential here. I want to see how his fight IQ plays out in a match where he doesn't have a chance to do any preparation, essentially, for the guy. Um, following up after him, another one in the same fucking situation. Uh, Ronnie Yaya is now on his third opponent for this fucking matchup. Um, Ronnie Yaya really had a very exciting debut and then has been kind of sidelined for a while, so... I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what he actually has to offer here. Um, Jordan versus Rojo. <sighs> another thrown together last minute. Should have been one thing. Now it's another thing kind of fight. But Charles Jordan had a lot of hype before he hit a hiccup. So I'm kind of curious to see how he's going to bounce back here as well. The bad part 
is that that brings us to our quote unquote premier prelim fight. <sighs> Angela Hill versus Ashley Yoder two, the rematch that no one asked for. My thoughts about this fight are as follows. Who fucking cares? On to the main card. Motion passed. <laughs> now, the bad part about that is that when we get onto the main card, um, like I mentioned, this is absolutely a pay-per-view hangover style filler card. So we don't really have a whole lot of name recognition or exciting big fights, but there are still some interesting matchups on the card here. Um, the opening fight, Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart. This fight is kind of getting slept on, in my opinion. Derek Stewart, excuse me, Darren Stewart has basically fallen off the radar completely since his fight where he beat Kevin Holland. And even Kevin Holland and Dana White agreed that he won that fight despite laughably horrible judges' scorecards giving it to Holland somehow. The good thing for him is that they put him back in the octagon against discount Kevin Lee. I think in this matchup, Darren Stewart is going to have every opportunity to put Anders to fucking sleep because as much as we've seen Eric Anders have flashes and glimpses of potential, he is absolutely a dude who will bite down on his mouthpiece, lean forward and walk straight the fuck at you until you make him stop. Darren Stewart thrives on that kind of fight. He doesn't get called the dentist because he's soft with his punches and doesn't aim for your fucking mouth. Uh, I think this is going to be a bad night for ya boy. I think we get the tooth fairy called in before the fight sees the third round. I think Stewart puts Anders to sleep either late in the second or early in the third if we get to the third. I didn't even know this was a fight they needed to make, to be quite honest. And I think I'm more surprised that Darren Stewart is still in the UFC, as well as Eric Anders. Derek Stewart had a or Darren Stewart had a lot of fucking hype behind him at one point, and then he shit the bed. Eric Anders, he's just been mad at best. So to be honest, I don't give a flying fuck who wins this, except for. Maybe just to see Darren Stewart so I can listen to somebody else with a British accent give a decent fucking interview because we don't get to see Till for a while. Yeah, for this, I'm going like it's 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 not an exciting fight. Um, I'm going Stewart because he's the only one of the two that actually has shown progression has shown like the want to get better and implementing new skills and techniques in the octagon um and he 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 outperforms uh anders in every which way in category stand up ground game um so in the words of fresh this is really stewart's fight to lose there um but with what he brings and with him continuing to to get better and better, um, 
I think he's going to bring in a W on that. That's a easy, easy one for him with, with his, his skill. I can agree with that. So from that matchup, that will bring us into another potentially very interesting matchup here. Um, Manel Cape versus Matthias Nicolau. Um, Matthias Nicolau basically came out of nowhere, stunned the fucking crowd in his debut, and has been waiting for a chance to chomp back at that bit. The UFC decided to give him that opportunity in the form of one of the most gun-shy hype trains we have ever fucking seen in Manel Cape. Um, if you go back and watch Manel Cape's highlight reel from Ryzen, that motherfucker was a wrecking machine. And I don't know if it was the big lights or him smelling what he was selling and high on his own fucking supply or what, but when we actually finally got to see him in the UFC, he was anything but impressive he was afraid to throw a punch afraid to engage too worried about being hit for his own fucking good and just all around disappointing for a guy who came in with as much fucking you know hype behind him as manel did um i have a feeling that this is going to play right into uh matthias's wheelhouse here he he's kind of an underdog much like the last time we saw Manel Cape come in where he's quote unquote supposed to easy win this matchup here and has basically completely overlooked his opponent once again and if you go back and watch the last time Matthias Nicolau was in the octagon in the UFC that's a very dangerous thing to do um, I, I'm very curious to see where Nicolau goes in the UFC, I think this young man has a lot of potential, and I'm kind of hoping that he puts it on display for us this weekend here. Uh, I was never really aboard, but I have officially decided to uh, reject the opportunity to get aboard the Manel Cape hype train. Uh, I think that fucking locomotive can sail right on off the goddamn cliff. I think Nicolau makes him look like a fucking fool. I don't think we see the judges here. This hangover card shit is bullshit. <laughs> this is a fight I immediately looked over because, to be honest, it does nothing for the flyweight division. It does nothing for either one of these two. I mean, if anything, maybe this is Mel Cape's um, shit or get off the pop moment. Right. But other than that, useless fucking fight to me. I'm just glad there's fights this weekend so I have something to watch and bitch about how terribly the cards are put together lately. Dude, I don't want a fucking hangover card. To be quite honest, I want a break card after a fucking pay-per-view. And what that means is no card. Give me a fucking week off. Not that I mind having fights to watch every week, but I do mind having shit fights to watch every week. Just saying, look, there, there's only three fights on this card that I would remotely talk about. And those three are coming up here. And one of them is only because Danny is in it. The other one is only because I want to talk about me shipping off. And the other one is I'm hoping Leon Edwards gets his ass beat because, you know, uh, I'm sick of that motherfucker's bullshit. Um, but, oh yeah, what fight were we talking about? Oh yeah, Cape and yeah, fuck that. 
fight. Fuck that fight right there. That's how I feel about that. Well, the good news is I'll let you in on a spoiler is that this will be the last week we're going to be doing full card breakdowns like this. We're going to do a little change in format uh, starting next week that I'll talk to you guys about after the show real quick. But uh, I do want to go ahead and finish this card out just for posterity's sake, because there are a few here I do want to talk about. So the only problem I have with this is tell me one name in that that deserves to be on the main card. I can think of a fight earlier that just one person, his name, deserves to be on the main card being Hawk Ross. Right. Just, that, just that name alone deserves to be here. I don't care if it's a debut fighter or not. His name alone. Fuck both of these guys. My only, my, the, only, the only upside to this is that Nicolau is actually – he's on a loss right now. His last fight was a loss, but he was on he was on a decent tear. Fuck yeah. He was on a real good tear. Took a little bump. I'd like to see what he does against an actual fighter. Not against somebody that's doing this shit. Um I I don't I don't want to watch that. I I want to see Nicolau actually go against a competitor. Uh Cape can fuck off. He can get kicked to the curb, just like just like the fucking UFC is doing with a whole bunch of other fucking cannon fodder. He can fuck off. Nicolau, he deserves to be uh, up here, but not on the main card. I would like to see him, this fight, move down to like a premier prelim. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. But Nicolau, with what he has done... This is going to be a fucking walk in the park uh, going up against Cape. It's going to be a walk in the park for him. I agree. I think you're on the right path there for sure. Uh, unfortunately, that brings us to yet another fight on this main card that doesn't really belong on the main card either. Uh, the People's Coco main event, as it were, fourth out from the top. Uh, Jonathan Martinez versus Davy Grant. Um, this, ironically enough, I won't say it doesn't belong on the main card. What I'll say is of the, the fights on the main card, this is one of the few that I think is legitimate for a main card. Maybe not this one but a main card. Uh, this is my dark horse fight of the night. Jonathan Martinez versus Davey Grant has everything ingredient-wise to be the most exciting match of the evening. Both of these guys are completely under the radar for 99% of the folks who watch MMA in general even more so for most UFC fans at that, because these are two little guys who don't get headline exposure hardly ever being thrown right into the middle of a very meh main card. So they're still not getting the fucking exposure that I feel like both of these two could legitimately deserve. The problem is, they both also have the potential to completely shit the bed, which is kind of why I feel that they haven't really been on many main cards here. 
I have a feeling this isn't going to be a shit the cat shit the bed kind of moment. I think that both of these guys are going to come out really understanding the situation that they're in, seeing where this division is and how quickly it's fucking moving. And I think we're going to get a pretty goddamn good show. But with these two involved, it's either going to be spectacular or it's going to be fucking horrible. Either way, it's still going to be entertaining, I think, though. <laughs> Best part of this fight here is going to be that they're itty-bitty little bastard bantamweights. Yes. So you know they're going to go 10,000 miles an hour. Somebody's going to get hit. Why this fight's on the main card, I don't know, because this is literally between... Martinez, we've seen some flashes of greatness out of him, but he shits the bed most of the time, as does Davy Grant. So, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, they say two wrongs don't make a right. I'm hoping two bads make a good here. But it's going to be a toss-up on whether this is a shit show or fucking possible dark horse fight of the night. And I say that's a long shot dark horse fight of the night here because God knows which one of these two of these I'll say four fuckers are going to come because is it going to be their good personalities or their bad personalities or is it going to be some mixture of both? Time will tell, but that's outside of probably the co-main event. This is probably my favorite fight on the card. Purely on the fact of I don't know what's going to happen with it. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to be in agreement on on a dark horse fire the night card, but um. I'm gonna go ahead and make make a prediction. My 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 prediction for this. I'm gonna say Grant gets this in some way, shape, or form. Cause he's the only motherfucker of the two of them that that that, that can actually you know make a stoppage and isn't a 100% decision monster. You know he actually stops people. I'm just gonna go on a go on a limb and say it's gonna be a, a sloppy fucking knockout. <laughs> Interesting. I can see that potential as well. With those two, I can absolutely see that potential. So that now will bring us to the actual people's co-main event. Another one of the, I'm not going to say great fights on the card, but another one of the more interesting stylistic matchups here. Um, Dan Ige versus Gavin Tucker. This is another one of those situations where we have seen both of these guys come out and look like absolute fucking world breakers. And we have seen both of these guys come out looking like they should be world breakers and then shit the bed. Um, I, I know that he's had his bumps in the road, but I really do have a hard time betting against Gavin Tucker. I like Dan Ige and I think he's got a lot of potential if he keeps improving. But it seems like Dan Ige is one of those fighters for whatever reason that when he came in the UFC, he had a very particular, unique style set to him. 
and has almost doubled down on just tightening up what he does rather than improving and expanding his game. And we've seen time and time again in the UFC, that's a bad fucking move. You want to hear Jay Chang? Um, if you can't improve and continue to add to your game, it's only a matter of time before that game leaves you standing in the fucking dust when the rest of the fight world moves on. Um, I like Dan Ige, but I really haven't seen anything new out of him in a hot fucking minute now. Um, I don't think Gavin Tucker is the best in the world, but I do think he has been trying to improve. And stylistically, he's very interesting because he can do a lot and he is very fucking quick. Um, I think this is going to be another very interesting matchup. I said it before, I'll say it again. I like Dan Ige, but I honestly don't know that either one of them really has anything that would give them a, a clear advantage over the other here. I think it's going to be a really close match. But honestly, unless one of them does something spectacular, this is going to be another fight on a card of unimpressive matches, I think. Dude, you took the absolute words out of my fucking mouth on this one. My biggest thought on this fight was, where's Dan Ige going to be on this? Nothing against Gavin Tucker, but what Dan Ige is going to show up. Yep. Because he's had absolute flashes of greatness where I thought he could be a top contender in the featherweight division, challenge for a title even. But then there's been other fights where I've seen him in where I'm going, who the fuck is that guy? And why is he in the UFC? So. Then again, I guess that's why the odds makers have him at almost a coin flip on this fight, even though he's fighting an unranked Gavin Tucker. So, you're saying there's a reason for that. Maybe it's time to get your shit together. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, this is... Like both of y'all said, this is going to be dependent on who shows up. Because if they both show up, that's going to be a fucking banger. If they both show up. Because, like, stylistically, it makes sense to make this a fight. Because both of them have great stand-up game when they're both there. They both have great fucking ground game. Like, neck-and-neck ability, skill, and technique whenever it comes to the ground. Uh, Tucker is a little bit more well-rounded on the ground because he's focusing on, you know, expanding my knowledge, expanding the techniques. While Ige is, I know this, um, which gives him a slight edge. But since Ige is focusing on what he knows on the ground, he's making them buttery fucking smooth. Uh, like whenever you put them next to each other whenever they both show up that's a good match to make stylistically um again like both of you guys have said it's going to depend on who the fuck shows up i hope they both do because that would, that's gonna that's gonna be that's gonna be a good fucking that's gonna be a banger of a fucking fight fuck yes well while meters away um I do want to want, I do want to bring up that two newcomers to the to the UFC that they brought in last minute. Uh, 
one of these guys I've actually met and was on a card with him. Uh, well, not on a card with him, but his his one of his people that was in the same uh, team was on the card. So I got to meet him. Uh, oh, uh, I've, I have no clue how to ever say the guy's first name, but Garcia is on the prelims and uh, uh, Rojo. Both those guys, if they actually do rather, they're, I think they're going to do rather well, not against who they're fighting. So they're fighting are pretty fucking good. Both those guys fucking uh, background and, and track record. Those guys are looking pretty fucking good if they can, if they can pull something out on like their next fight. So one of them's going against Hawk Frost, and that's just not going to end well. Both those guys' track records in Latin America, one's from Argentina, the other one's from Mexico. Um, those guys, they might, they might be able to do a little something in the UFC. Be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Like Garcia's, Garcia's track record and his, his rankings – um, I've met him. I fought one of from the people that were out of Punisher out in uh, uh, the Texas area. That guy's rankings is fucking stupid. But we can continue with the show. I'm stoked to see how they play out. But that will bring us to our co-main event of the evening the potatoes in the meat and potatoes portion of this meat and potatoes section of the show misha circuitoff versus ryan span this is the fight that i am most excited to see on this card the, the main event will be interesting for a couple of different reasons that we'll talk about in a little bit but this is the fight that I am legitimately watching this card to see. Um, Ryan Spann has showed us that he has got great fucking power and dog shit wrestling. The problem for him is that that's not an issue in the lower rankings at 205. But when you start getting into the legitimacy to the the real fucking killers in the 205 division, that kind of game plan ain't going to fucking carry you anymore. You have to be able to do everything to be at the top of 205. And Jan just showed that to Israel Adesanya the hard way last weekend. The even worse part about that for Ryan Spann is that the guy he's standing across the octagon against, Misha Serkinov, can absolutely do everything from anywhere in that octagon. Yes, he's had a couple bumps in the road. Yes, he's had some shitty decisions. But if you look at his resume, those bumps don't even start to diminish the caliber and the fucking ability of the wins that that man has in his career. I like Ryan Spann and I think he is going to give this the old college try, but I don't see anywhere in this game that he has a way to stop Misha Serkinov. Misha Serkinov can wrestle. Misha Serkinov can strike and Misha Serkinov has a fucking chin. 
that adds up to bad news for Ryan Spann. I wish him the best of luck, but I think Misha's going to fuck him up this weekend. <laughs> I'm in agreement with that. However, they do have one opponent in common and one loss in common. Do you know who that loss is to? Please tell me. I know where you're going. Please and tell me you know where I'm going with. I know where you're going with this. It's the fucking Walker, Johnny Walker. Now, this is the only kicker I throw on this, other than the fact that I think Serkinov's going to win. So I agree 100 percent with what you've said about Span. He does have some great fucking hands, but he is a fucking terrible wrestler. Both of these guys, they're lost to Walker. They both got knocked the fuck out. The only chance that Ryan Span has here is if he can last longer than Serkinov. Because um, Serkinov went out in 30-some seconds, whereas Ryan Span went out in about two and a half minutes versus Walker. So if we play a little MMA math here, that's pretty recent in both of their fight histories, both within the last two fights, I think, or last three fights or something like that between them. But So it's pretty recent in both of their minds. So I'm just saying, either one of those boys... They can get knocked out, and I will say pretty fucking easily because Johnny Walker's really not that fucking good, in my own personal opinion. However, he does hit hard. I'll give him that. But, I mean, going out in 34 seconds, Misha, that's not saying a lot about your chin, even though I know it's better than that. Ryan Spann at least lasted two and a half minutes. That's all I'm saying. Maybe this is their chance to say... um, who really is better on this? Although, just from the, just look at the pure resume of the fighters that Misha has fought here. He has literally run the gamut of the light heavyweight division from fucking everybody from Nikita Krylov to fucking Glover to Shara. And he's beaten some of them. He's lost to guys like Glover, which that's nothing to be fucking ashamed of. Glover's a fucking animal. And has been for quite some time. Span, on the other hand, he doesn't have a great resume. He makes the soup cans look really bad, dents them even more than they already were. But now he's starting to come into playing with the big boys. I don't think that's going to work out well for him, especially not after getting knocked out by Johnny Walker. I think for both of them, that's the dirtiest blemish you can have on your fucking record as to that guy. Because he's really not that good in my opinion. He just hits really fucking hard, and he's pretty quick for a heavy, a light heavyweight. But there's a reason why he's not at the top of the pack. He's a shit fighter. But I mean, this definitely could go some very interesting ways between this. We're either going to see a knockout, or I think what I think is going to happen is I think Misha's going to get it to the ground and end up with a submission victory. I, I think you're on the money there as well. I, I think so too. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with all certain uh, on uh, on this purely on on him being able to get a game plan, stick to it, and actually work completely around inside of an octagon and two because of the like tj just said their their, their resume 
the most like notable name that Span has a W on is a Nogira brother at the tail end of their career. I beat I beat a Nogiro when they were like 97 years old and can barely fucking move. Congratulations. But like like TJ said, never look at Serkinkov, he he's going against the the upper echelon of the upper echelon in light heavy. Like that man has battled with some of the fucking best of the best in, in, in the division. Track record alone and the differences of ability gives it to Serkinkov. And because fuck a guy that 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 has a, a nickname of Superman and then has the Superman tattoo in his chest whenever you're literally a walking pile of dog shit for MMA. I agree completely. Just just when you thought Brock Lesnar's giant penis sword was stupid, Brian Spann says, hold my beer. But the uh, good news, if you really want to call it that, is that that will bring us to the main events of the evening. The meat in the meat and potatoes portion of this meat and potatoes segment in this meat and potatoes themed show the namesake of the evening, the let's try it for a fourth time because the first three didn't work. Main event of Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. I was not thrilled the first three fucking times they tried to convince us that Leon Edwards versus Kamzat Shemaev was the fight to make. I wasn't thrilled when Kamzat pulled out and Leon tried to say that no one would take the fight against him while Wonderboy spent the last two months screaming at him in the most polite way he possibly could. I wasn't thrilled when they made this the main event after the fight had been rearranged into Edwards versus Muhammad. But here we are, regardless of how not happy I am in this situation. The good news, however, is that these pair of decision machines are going to give us an opportunity to either finally stop hearing about Leon fucking Edwards, or they're going to force Leon Edwards into a position where he doesn't get to pick his fights anymore. If you want to fight, you fight a legitimate contender and you better eat your fucking Wheaties. Now, the uh, side note to that is in order to get either one of those, we have to make it through this weekend. I try and make a point to say, regardless of how you feel about someone, credit where credit is due. To his credit, Leon Edwards is on one hell of a winning streak. Now, the problem is that when you start to look at that winning streak a little more closely in detail, that winning streak spans five fucking years of picking and choosing who and when he fights and is consistent 
with decisions, not stoppages, not submissions, not discernible defining victories that would earn you the ability to talk shit to the top of your fucking division, but boring and mostly uninteresting decisions. The bad part for us is that standing across the octagon from Leon fucking Edwards is a fellow decision machine in Bilal Muhammad. Now, Bilal Muhammad is one of those that came into the UFC with a lot of hype behind him and then just never really showed it. We have seen that he can throw a hell of a fucking overhand right but he can't throw it consistently and he can't seem to time it when he needs to. And he can't work it in when the situation clearly gives him the opportunity for it. It's almost pure luck, but when he lands it, it fucking lands. I really don't think this fight is going to be nearly as exciting as the UFC is trying to build it up. I think this is going to be a situation where Leon Edwards is going to come out and try and spend the majority of his fight or majority of the fight rather on his bike trying to stay away from Muhammad's power and Muhammad is going to spend the majority of the fight chasing Leon Edwards because he doesn't have the fight IQ to cut the fucking octagon off and put that moron down the good news is is that one way or another by midnight Saturday night we'll be done hearing about both of these soup cans for at least a couple more weeks. The only thing I'm hoping here is that Blow Muhammad wins for this reason. I can't stand Leon Edwards lately. It's been an absolute shit show with him. Uh, I've won all these fights over five fucking years. Motherfucker. You haven't done anything noteworthy in the last fucking three. Blah Muhammad lucked himself into this fucking fight. Literally lucked himself into this. To be honest, I'm still pissed that this isn't Chmaev in here, but Chmaev got himself a fucking ticket to the show and now he's <laughs> possibly retired. Although, I'm sure Dana White's had lunch with him, too. So, you know. But to be honest, I don't care for Bilal Muhammad. I don't like Leon Edwards. And to be honest, I hope Leon Edwards gets his shit kicked in. I don't think it's going to happen because Bilal Muhammad really is not that fucking good. And Leon Edwards is just a smidgen better. Shit fights all the way around. Yeah, so uh, I went over to good old Sure Dog uh, over Leon Edwards, uh, 11 years of amateur pro am in professional fights. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 fights not by stoppage what's his what's his record 18 and 3 yikes 
Um, Bilal Muhammad is, is no better than what that is. He has seven. Um, I honestly hope Bilal Muhammad can pull something off. Um, it sucks because he doesn't have his head trainer there because his coach uh, got a ticket to the uh, reunion. He got his refund. Um, uh, I hope and pray that he can do something. Uh, I hope and pray that Leon Edwards just doesn't fight because that's been a thing as of late. Uh, fuck Leon Edwards. Muhammad can be better than what he is. Um, you know, actually give a shit about what you're doing. Put forth effort and be a half decent fighter. Um, other than that, I honestly don't really care about this fight. It's against two people I really don't like and don't have any care in. I agree. And as much as I hate to say it, because I have had it with had it out with him several times before, I actually kind of have to root for Bilal Muhammad in this situation. If nothing else, then because fuck Leon Edwards. But that is all we have got for this particular episode here. So we are going to go ahead and call that all for now. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in to this latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast. Uh, if you enjoy what we do around here, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, hit that notification bell down below so you don't miss a single episode. If you love what we do around here, share an episode with a friend. We're trying to grow this damn thing. The other side of that coin, if you hate what we're doing around here and we're just a couple of dipshits in front of webcams, give us a thumbs down because we earned it and we won't dispute it. That being said, before we do get out of here, I do want to take a moment to thank these fine gentlemen for taking time out of their evening to talk some shit and get into the shenanigans with us. So at this point, if someone wants some beard growing tips, how can they get a hold of you after the show, RJ? Um, like I've said time and time again, if you want beard growing tips, I'm not the guy. You can go over to uh, TJ and ask him those questions because his beard is luxurious. Mine is a sorry excuse. Um, I like your honesty. Yeah, a for effort. I mean, I'm I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. I'm about ten years out. But if you'd like to, you can come over to uh, RJ MMA official and tell me that TJ's in meters beard is far superior to mine, and I just need to stop it. Um, but thank you for having me on. It's great, like always, to be on here. Appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much for being here. And now with that being said, if at this point somebody hasn't been paying attention and they just are late to the fucking game, but they need to get their directions on where to get them damn cheese curds and how to find themselves safest to Kenosha to get themselves exciting, how can they get a hold of you after the show, TJ? Wednesday nights right here on the YouTubes, 9.30 Central Time. And also find me on the Instagrams. Shoot me a message. I'm glad to give you directions. Hell yeah. Thank you very much for your time. I always appreciate it, sir. 
That being said, we're going to call that all for this particular episode. So thank you to everyone tuned in, whether you are catching this on the all audio version over on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe, or you are catching this on the live video version on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe. We appreciate you either way. We're going to call that all for this particular episode. So remember folks, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything unless you think 10 years is going to let that beard catch up. It can. Good times that made us laugh.